Welcome to Out of the Woods, the Threat Hunting Podcast. everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Out of the Woods Threat Hunting Podcast. This is Scott Poley, and today is a special edition where we get to have an in-depth conversation with our guest, Brian Gittinger. Hey, Scott. How you doing? Great. Um, so typically how I like to start these conversations so the audience kind of gets to know you better um, is kind of how did you land where you are today and where did you start and what are some of those key milestones you think that kind of helped develop you being the person you are? Sure. So in uh, specific to the InfoSec background that I've you know, maintained kind of over the years, uh, there was a time where I was uh, at GE, mm-hmm. specifically in the industrial businesses. Right. So the industrial business was the aviation, energy, oil and gas, transportation or rail. And so in that, I was brought in as a wide area network architect, and that was more of my background and kind of networking and just kind of general IT. And as I was brought into that role, we were kind of built with this concept of putting a secure network together. And through the, the, the process that we built there, we actually found that there was some gaps in what we were building around security architecture and network architecture. And at that point in time, it became a really focused mission to figure out how to close those gaps. And so part of that process that we ran through then brought me to the, like the forefront of InfoSec, okay. which was putting together that kind of task force around how do we keep the intellectual property around the military jet engines and whatnot kind of in-house and not have it exfilled to right. say, the Chinese nation state actors. So part of that process was understanding at first foray into kind of InfoSec in general and like, hey, like, this is pretty cool. Like, it's not just building networks and designing networks. Yeah. And it's it t- took on a whole new um, kind of momentum for me. And at that point in time, it was like, how do I take those skills and how do I bring those to the greater good? And so I had an opportunity um, from that experience to join a startup company that the CISO and others in that team kind of leapt out on their own. Okay. And when that happened... Uh, I got the call and said, hey, do you want to come be part of this startup? And I was like, never considered it. Yeah, right. I was like, <laughs> I was consulting at the time and thought joining a startup company in a security market that was at the time pretty new to what was considered managed detection response back eight, nine years ago. And that's kind of how that where I'm at today. That was the leaping point from, okay, I'm out, I'm out of the kind of the considered it corporate world, right. if you will to now I'm part of a startup in a security very world. Different, right. Very different. And what does it mean? And right. so I got a taste of it and I really liked it. Yeah. And I kind of just kept my progression of the career to the point where I'm at today. Very cool. So a quick question, just when I mean, you're talking through some of your background that I think might be interesting. You said you were kind of architecting um, to defend an environment, right? In your mind, or at least back then, what do you think was the most effective approach or control or things that you actually utilized? Sure. There's a couple things, and it's actually pretty applicable to today. Okay. So um, I'm going to talk like zero trust for a moment yeah, yeah. and the concepts of zero trust, um, you know, like least privilege access, those types of things. And like, and so back then we actually 
built what was a couple. I'll go through them kind of one by one. Go for it. It's it's pretty interesting. So we built something considered. We had a vault, and we had kind of a high wall that we had built. So to get into, call it critical access or critical infrastructure Mm -hmm. information or the crown jewels, we actually created with technology that was out there at the time. This is. 17 years ago or whatever it was, sorry, maybe 15 years ago, we built effectively what's considered zero trust today. We built that for um, the aviation business. Okay. And so technologies like firewalling and, you know, basically taking, you know, a a privilege key and making you get through four different gates before Mm -hmm. you get into the data and like all these things, pretty crude, but it worked. Right. And then, so that was one thing. We also built kind of a, a monitoring rail at the time on the network to say, hey, we knew that there were third parties, even back then, that were getting compromised. And GE had millions of partners, right, across uh, yeah. every area of their business globally. So we were like, how do we actually put them into a you know contained yeah. rail where they come in to get access and then we have different visibility points through that? And so we created that as well. And then the other cool thing I think we built before – and. I, it never was kind of materialized and, and, and put into like a, an actual package to okay. sell, but we created something called Fish Finder. And okay. it was a, the first phishing kind of you know proactive looking at emails coming in prior to Proofpoint being on the market. Okay. So there are like yeah, yeah. all these things that like we had to build. We built an endpoint tool that wasn't also, you couldn't buy it because right. we went through all these things going like we can't buy anything off the shelf because- that adversaries are had the it's it, it really harkens back to what we deal with today. It's like you buy something off the shelf, the adversary has it, they have access to it, they can reverse engineer. You know, learn about it. They learn about it. They yeah. know how to get around it. So we were dealing with that a long time ago. There were very focused nation state actors from China that knew who we were. They knew how to get in. They knew all the technologies, and we had every technology on the planet you could imagine. We had a instance of Splunk. We had an instance of ArcSight. We had yeah. four different endpoint products. We had Mandy. Yeah. You know, all the stuff that was at our disposal for different IPSs. And we're like, you know what? We have to build our own. Mm-hmm. And we did. And I got to be part of that team that built all those different structures from whatever technology that was kind of considered to be just, you know, off the shelf. Yeah, I love that. Um, building technology or utilizing technology in different ways because I've always, uh, you know, I ran a security operations center and, and did some of those things. And a lot of our best solutions were really just ideas that we had and then finding new ways to use technology. Because I feel like a lot of times people buy technology to implement, like, well, it says it does this, so let's use it as this. And it's like, okay, but that that's a good application, but there might be other use cases and you might get more return on those values. And, and some in, really interesting ideas always came up with that process. So I really love how you guys were able to manage that. Um, and now looking at kind of like what you do today, you're, you're more in sales, right? And so I've always find you know, I've obviously interacted with a lot of sales folks, and I can see the different people based on their background being technical or not technical, or just being really good at the marketing side or whatever it is. Right? How, when you have conversations with people with that technical background, are you able to kind of help speak the same language, but also show that you understand their problems better, um, help them solve their problems? How does that? that yeah, change? I think that's part of it. Like I remember there was a time. Um, where it was a couple jobs ago, I was working for Booz Allen at the time. Okay. And I had a threat intel client. I'll leave the client name out of it. But the person that led the intel mission for this client, big, you know, pretty well-known business, right. big, humongous enterprise. But 
she came from the army and human intelligence and you know open source intelligence mm-hmm. and those so i come up fly i sit down with she looks and she's like where's the person that i'm going to ask all the tough questions to <laughs> so i said uh, you know try me you yeah know, like just it's okay it's like i'm here yeah. like, we've got another team coming but um so she's like well how are we going to work through this strategy of you know, I've got tactical intel, I've got strategic intel, I have social intel. She's going through this whole, you know, problem that she's trying to figure out. And I was like, look, at, at the time, I referenced back to my days at GE when we built an intel program, um, and we built it with, you know, the defense industrial base and DHS and, you know, the CIA. I mean, we built it with knowledge from all these different intelligence sharing communities. And I'm given this kind of process that I think we can roll out with her based on background. She's like, okay, like, all right, great. I get it. Like you, you've done this before. Right. Like this isn't your, you know? And so where a lot of it comes from for, for me now, even in like, I've been in the sales side, if you will, like, you know, as an SE, you go to sales, like, oh, you went to the dark side and right. You're like, yeah. now you're on yeah. the sales side. Like, and so I, you know, I, I take it as a challenge, quite honestly, I, mm-hmm. I sit there and say like, let me come in to an organization and talk through what the problem is. I'm not just here to sell the product or the service that I have, but how does it fit into what you're doing? Not like forcing in, you must have this because it works, yeah. but really like, what are, where are you guys at today? What technologies do you have? What problems do you think you have? And then let me just bring some insight and some perspective to, you know, what you guys might do. And I'm not, I don't have all the answers, right? I don't right. come in yeah. and say, I've got everything figured out, but I think it builds a lot of credibility, at least for me, people are like, oh, you actually kind of understand this. You've sat in the seat that I've been in and you've got this perspective of all these other organizations you've talked to. You can help me. So it comes for me, it comes from a lot of education yeah, and just the ability to kind of meet them where they are. And then at that point, it's less about sales. It's really just about a collaboration and a partnership. Right. I know, you know, we sell our product and sometimes I facilitate as a sales engineer just because, you know, I know our product so well. Um, and when we have those conversations with potential customers, it's not really healthy for us to also sell our product when we know that it's not going to be a win for them because then it really hurts both of us. Right. And right. so, um, when you meet with people, is that something you also are assessing as far as, have you read instance, I guess, where you're like, we might not be a good match based on the problems you want to solve today. For sure. Uh, an example of that, I was, uh, just previous to my time at Halcyon, I was running sales for a managed detection response services company. And I knew the capabilities. I knew kind of how we went to market and where we fit. And a couple organizations we would run into, I really like what you guys do. It's really unique. It's pretty interesting. I think you guys will be a good fit here. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Like, we can't cover this environment, this environment, and that environment. Are you okay with that? And they're like, well, I'm like, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> like, I, like, I basically was like, you know, we've uh, many times where I'd go in and then, Whoever was like, why did you turn that sale away? I'm like, we, we weren't going to be able to meet their needs. Right. There was no way we were going to meet the needs, even though they thought what we did was really interesting. It just wasn't a good match. And there, there's times where, you know, the technology I sell today, everybody, I mean, it's an anti-ransomware recovery platform. So we go in and say, okay, there's really no reason why you, nobody, you know, everybody should use it. But in other cases, fits and, you know, expectations on delivery and outcome would definitely back me away from saying it's a good fit. So you brought up your your platform and your, how do you pronounce your co- your company's name again? Halcyon. Halcyon, right. So um, 
And I was looking at the product online, just some of the quick things and use some AI powered based things, but can you kind of talk through what that product actually does? Cause it's kind of an interesting take on handling ransomware. For sure. So Halcyon um, is the first to the market to do what we do. Um, it, the, the background a little bit on this is important. The two founders uh, most previously uh, ran an organization called Boldened in the US government. That organization was um, asked to provide cyber weapons in the most unique way. Like there were a handful of companies that did what they did, uh, specific to NSA mm-hmm. and specific to TAO, even more specifically in the offensive side of the NSA. Right. And so building up things that had never existed before. And so right around Colonial Pipeline, when that happened, the business partners and everybody else that was involved with that company providing cyber weapons for the government said, guy, like, why don't you guys put sites on the building defensive product or whatever it might be to stop ransomware? Because it was just one of those things like Mm. all the tools and all the processes and all the things that existed obviously weren't solving the problem. Right. Because today you hear about a ransomware attack every day and sometimes two times a day. (laughs) Right. And they're getting bigger and bigger. And so um, so that's the background of where Halcyon started. So it's a product that's designed to fit onto an endpoint, um, but in a different altitude of the OS. So it actually sits in ring zero in the kernel. Okay. And for that reason, um, the, the logic and the training of not just the ML, but also utilizing AI in a CapsNets way, like kind of a micro model training, um, looking at specific ransomware behaviors, not just the encryption, not just the when it when it hits, because that's not the difficult part. It's all the things leading up to what they're doing to scour the environment okay. to see, is this a good environment for me to run in? Ransomware actors have a playbook and yeah, they know yeah. exactly what environment they want to strike and they know they can be successful. So Halcyon built a product around understanding those behaviors and utilizing, I like to refer to it as the kitchen sink of detection. Like we can utilize every element of detection that's out there, but hone it directly in on what these ransomware groups are doing. Right. And so um, we have the prevention side of the product where we can prevent pre-execution based on our kernel access and changes in memory. We're signed in the, so little story, we went to Microsoft early on and said, we broke into your kernel and we built software and it's really slick and we're going to end ransomware forever. And they're like, oh, that's funny. There's no way you're going to get this through our kernel. Um, Long story short, uh, we have a signed kernel driver with Microsoft. Okay, fully approved the Halcyon living in their Windows kernel. Um, And we're rolling out Linux capabilities pretty soon. But effectively, we refer to it as kind of a cyber resilience platform because if we can't stop ransomware, we've actually also built the ability for us to capture keys, store them in a protected memory space on the endpoint. That's a really interesting approach. And then send a decryptor down so we can instantly decrypt data. And if the key isn't available or it's something that, you know, it's not something that we've known or seen before, the key material we capture, Mm -hmm. we've actually been able to reverse entropy, break the encryption and build a decryptor from not even having a key. So keyless decryption. And we've gone into locations most recently. We're not really a services company first, but we have really smart people that have done really cool things. And so we've gone into locations that have been hit zero day with ransomware recently. We've gone in and recovered their data in two days. Versus, yeah, it's like you're bringing the data right back to where it was. Um, Data exfil is something else we're building into the product. So it really is a holistic ransomware, you know, kind of protection recovery platform. Yeah, so that was going to be one of my questions when I was looking at the platform. From the site, it was 
really easy to see how you guys are doing the preventative side, right? Based on the ransomware is going to try to run and ransomware authors aren't that creative now that they've been around for a while. They like to copy from each other a lot, right? So a lot of those behaviors are kind of known. Um, so I felt like that's what you were picking up on, but it was interesting that you mentioned how even their behavior, like the actors in the environment, you're still catching those behaviors as well, right? Um, and then the expo piece, that was the other thing I was going to ask you about. I know extortion now is like another big part of the process, right? Because they don't make as much money with the ransom as they do extortion, or they can make twice as much money, however you want to look at it. And so you said that's kind of the next thing you guys are tackling? Yeah, so it's interesting because I think in the in the realm, we've got a couple different options out there around kind of data exfil protection or stopping the data exfil. You've got the legacy DLP, you know, that's been out there for a long time, but that's that's more onboarding you know, that and setting up properly is really hard. It's difficult. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot. I mean, yeah, I went back to my GE days. I have like PTSD from <laughs> Digital Guardian, and like just it was just a yeah, it was difficult. So, but we've built something, and we're in we're in the process of beta and beta right now with with our prospects and clients, where we're utilizing the same behavior, okay. um, kind of tracking mechanisms of a process. So effectively, if we see a process from the kernel perspective starting to act a certain way, we'll put a score on and we'll watch it. I'm going to sit there and monitor it. We won't take action, We won't, but we're going to just see what, what happens with it. And does it spawn a bunch of child probably? Just behavior of those certain things as it matches a score, we'll say, okay, let's watch it. Because typically there's going to be things that, that the threat actor does to see like where are the backups, mm-hmm. like where they're going to go start to look and move from system to system. And like we'll, we'll be able to kind of see those things from endpoint to endpoint. And so- if we convict a process to say, this looks like it's going to be associated to ransomware based upon everything we build in the detection, mm-hmm. we can actually, as we see that process spin up to reach out to a C2 and start to data exfil, we can actually stop it from the, the network kernel driver in the in the endpoint. And right now it's kind of volumetric. Okay. So we're seeing like, okay, is it a meter of, is it, you know, a hundred gig or is it, you know, 10 kind of like as it surges? Yeah, so we can see like, okay, this process is starting to exfil, and if the client's like, hey, I want to, I want to kill it off right away. I don't want to give it any time. Then you know what? We we reset the connection, and now the threat actor's like, oh, I got to stand up another one, right? And I got to go another process, and it's just kind of a game of whack a mole, right? And so it's no policy. It's really very rudimentary and simple, but that's kind of what we're putting out in the product. Uh, same product, same SKU, same you know lives in the kernel, mm-hmm. but that's our play on data exfil. Okay, very cool. Yeah, so the one thing I really liked too, and I was looking at the product, so you know, AI is becoming that thing that is being sold everywhere, and then sometimes I feel like it's being misrepresented, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in the capacity where I say misrepresented is they'll have like, we have AI that solves a much bigger problem than AI is capable of doing with one model or one approach. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about your guys' approach is it's very tailored. I think AI does really well or machine learning does really well when you have like, I want to solve a very specific problem. Um, I understand all the the full scope of the problem. And, you know, so then you can make a model specific to that instance. Um, And I thought that was really cool when you you take ransomware as an example. Like, yeah, ransomware with the things we do with ransomware and we reverse engineer things and everything. We can see it. It has a very mainstream behavior because like I said they share a lot of techniques with each other ransomware groups disassemble then their characters go to other groups so it's like almost a community within a community when you look at ransomware um, groups in general so I really really thought that was a fascinating approach to that and I guess 
since you guys, I think, do an effective approach with AI in that realm with that target approach, is there other 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 things on your guys's radar as far as things you want to tackle in the future potentially in a similar way? Yeah. So I'll some of this is you know obviously things I can't talk about. Yeah. yeah. But I'll give you kind of the the you know the taste of so to the point. I think, and I'll just I'll comment on the thing you said around people kind of merge ML and AI together, yeah. and it just comes up with this. I'm using AI and I'm using ML. I'm like, well, there's there are two different things, right? There's there's the intersection of those is powerful, but yeah. machine learning in terms of trying to match certain things from good and bad, and just training models and you know, gradient boosted decision trees. I mean, there's all kinds yeah. of things on ML supervised versus unsuper, you know. And then on the AI side, in the context of security, now you've got this whole, you know, obviously generative AI, and people are like, wow, I can use it for this, and threat actors are going to use it for that. Yeah, but Thanks for noticing the, the like the focused point of what we're using AI. Really, the training on, and I'll get to like where we're going with this, but the training on AI for Halcyon is looking at those common behaviors that, to your point, the shared kind of knowledge of what ransomware groups do mm-hmm. commonly. Most of the things that are being done from a ransomware attack are always repeatable. Right. Now, the package itself, like the actual encryption technology and well then technology is pretty common but sometimes they build a package to utilize a different process or yeah. they turn they change this you know, the delivery might look a little different too right? correct but. and like we ran into a group called akira that's like stood up i don't know back in the in this early spring and they went on a ramp rampant like hundreds of you know sh- bad you know shame lists of of uh organizations they attacked and you know we caught one at our one of our clients and we stopped it oh cool and it was really cool because they're like well you know they didn't hit all of our clients but they hit one and they tried to break through and didn't succeed and so pretty interesting but the utilization of ai in that regard is is really training on the behaviors that we see commonly Mm -hmm. and then we can kind of flag and give it a score so where we're going with some of that application down the road is how do we can make not just the prevention and not just the you know the key capture key material recovery, um, but how do we make those endpoints almost like a like a, 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 an immune self healing sort of way where we can effectively revert all of the changes and things that were done on the endpoint and then not really need to worry anymore about you know if going up and cleaning up something that was right. left a resident or a file and so you know it's something that's forward looking for us but. The sites of we just got our start. Really, we're like yeah. two years old, and we've already brought a product to the market that no one's been able to do before. So, the excitement from us is, what are we going to do next? Yeah, and it's utilizing the the same things that we built the product around, but expanding its application. Yeah, like something you said in there where you were talking about how how do you revert things back to like that state known good, right? In some instances, and it's it's always like the anxiety of a security professional is when something bad happens. You know, almost everyone's like, well, I mean, if you don't really know for sure, you're just going to reimage or redo whatever you're going to do for the box. And virtualization helps a lot with that because you can say, well, we got snapshots that might be faster, easier or whatever. But when it's a box you don't have that for either, then it's it's a lot of time and resources and testing to make sure things are good. Um, so that would be a really, really cool take on, you know, being able to build that confidence and, hey, these actions you can do and get back because you can basically walk it back. Right. Um, so that's a really cool approach. Uh, the other thing I was reading a, an article and it 
uh, mentioned how September this year was like the biggest spike in ransomware, like a record spike. I was wondering from your guys' scenes, did you guys see something similar? We did. And it, it's interesting. So we, we kind of put out, it's, it's an interesting take. We put out the magic quadrant on ransomware actors okay. versus, you know, the Gartner magic quadrant yeah. on, you know, upper right. So we, we put it out, I think on it's, it's kind of become a quarterly thing for us. And we'll put out like the most recent changes and emerging versus, you know, challengers and all these things. And we've seen, so we saw a, a very big spike in September. Okay. Um, and it's, it was interesting. There was a, it's kind of public, so I'm not going to go into that, but there were some really creative attacks that happened through hitting a host organization, utilizing all of their trusted, you know, kind of third party yeah. connections and whatnot and sprawling out from there. Um, n- not super common in ransomware, right. but it's more like nation state level. Yeah. Um, where they're like, hey, we're going to go and compromise. And I, back in the day, I remember at college, we did an instant response engagement on when I was with Morphic, which was the startup company that I came from the GE leadership yeah. team. And this college was very unassuming, small, but very sophisticated Chinese nation state was in. And I'll get to the ransomware. <laughs> thing, but, good. but it's a very common technique that those folks used was we'll, we'll get into somebody that's very easy to Low level to break yeah. into and then we'll launch all of our attacks from there yeah so this attack to me kind of really modeled what we saw in you know high level nation state level you know apt style yeah and it's they're becoming not only is the level of the number of attacks increased but the creativeness of how they're launching these attacks now is even increasing so it's it, it it's becoming something that you know, I remember we started it and we got out in the market and we started talking, hey, we got a product to stop ransomware. Ah, you know what? Another endpoint product. Yeah. So it's not like me too. I agree. Yeah. yeah. It's another endpoint product. And I don't need another endpoint tool. I, I've got too many agents already running and I already own. And no, I mean, Sentinel One, CrowdStrike, you name great product yeah. and it's come a long way from the, the AV days, right? Capabilities <laughs> of these tools and how are so much greater than they were. I worked at Endgame for a while and that was a, you know, cool endpoint security platform, yeah. threat hunting platform. I'm kind of bouncing around a bit, but back to the ransomware component, we broke into the market and I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm good. And I'm like, okay, let's look at the situation and the data that's out there. I'm like, it's just ransomware. I'm like, yes, but let's break that down. Yeah. It, it, it's not just the encryption. It's not just the, hey, they're going to ask for a payment and you have cyber insurance and they're going to pay it. It's not that anymore. It, it is the most chosen method for extortion and, and making money. Yeah. And this thing's an enormous business. It is. And if you're not going to do something different, then you will end up becoming a victim at some point. And like, ah, I'm, you know, still okay. I'm good. Well, that changed a lot over the last year. Yeah. And we've now seen our conversations go from not another endpoint tool to like, how can I get this in my environment yeah. yesterday? That's cool. So, but yes, back to your point of September being a big month. Yeah. Um, it's just the awareness that's out there and it's nobody any, to this day anymore can go, you know what? Ransomware is not an issue for me. So something else I was thinking about, because um, we've seen historically, and you brought up nation states a few times, right? Where um, like not pet yet as an example, right? It's supposed to look like ransomware, but it's really just a data destroyer, right? I mean, there had no means to really want to restore people's data. They didn't even keep the keys or whatever it was for that. And then you have the the conflict or war you see in Ukraine where there are there's activity where obviously they're using some ways to destroy data and it's more data wipers you're seeing a lot of because they don't really care either to recover data. Does, 
your tool or your approach, have you guys, does data wipers fall under that purview as well? Or, or how do you handle that? Or so it's interesting when you, when the, like the process by which we convict and figure out like what's being done and why mm -hmm. leads us to the decision to prevent. It's not necessarily in the encryption. Comp I mean, we stop it pre-encryption. Right. So from a, just a concept of data wipers and data destruction, if they're in doing certain things, our behavioral engines will pick some of that activity up okay. to the point where we've even sat there in, in client environments where things like Emotet and other, you know, kind of polymorphic malware that's out there, TrickBot and others have actually bypassed, um, you know, your common endpoint tools and we've stopped them. Okay. There was an, an example of, you know, a big financial um, organization trading and whatnot. Like, yeah, we're just willing to have you guys there for the recovery. Like we get the whole recovery component that's really slick and we're fine. We're good. And within like two days of deployment, right past CrowdStrike, we stopped it. Sorry, making noise here, but we stopped it. And then I didn't think that was going to be the outcome. Yeah. So in some of those cases around spyware and or data wipers and things, it's, it's in the purview of the product. Yeah, and that's something, I mean, you guys focus on behaviors and, you know, that's kind of why threat hunting where we focus on behaviors as well, right? Because it's one thing that does kind of persist across groups, across time, across whatever, you know, it's the, uh, one of the most, I guess, key things that you can hold on to and get value back, continue over and over again, right? So I can see how that can be um, super effective. Um, the, the one thing I, I always like to ask um, is... I'm assuming I might know the answer, but it might be different. If you say, like, what is the your thing that worries you the most in cybersecurity in general? Um, and then, you know, what what do you think is your, the best approach either? Is, I mean, if you're going to say ransomware on your tool, it's fine, and we can go into that. But, like, you know, when you look at cybersecurity in general, what is the thing that worries you the most from your experience and what you've seen in general? Sure. I was just talking to somebody um, that works for a venture capital company the other day, a, a friend, colleague of mine that we worked at GE together, and he posed that question to me. He said, Hey, like you've seen a lot, right? Like you've, you've been around, you were a practitioner. Um, I love the threat hunting concept too. We could, um, we don't have time today, but like <laughs> talk to you afterward. Yeah. Out, huh? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I kind of sat there and I thought for a few seconds before I answered and I said, you know, we often talk about just the, the number of options that are out there for organizations to purchase and implement. Yeah. And it's, to me, at least, it's gotten to a point where there's so much at the disposal of CISOs and directors and organizations, and the challenge isn't so much that there's not capable products, but how do you actually get to a point of becoming not just visibility, but like kind of putting it together where it's simple, right? Right. It's it's not so complex because everybody's like, oh, security is really difficult. So I think the biggest challenge in the next couple of years for this industry is how do we continue to strip down some of the things that aren't working and needed right. and find better solutions? I don't have the answer to what those are yet, but but really getting to a point where it's it's efficient, clear, and the ability to react and, and kind of always become predictive in some ways with AI and, and really take it, it's almost like flipping it completely on its head, but it's really tough to do that while we're in motion. Right. But I really think that we're going to see this kind of uh, condensement of what's going on. You see startup companies like us come to the market. You're like, oh, you're another tool. I don't need it. 
But in some cases, maybe some of those newer tools and capabilities will replace 10 other things, right? And it's, there's always this play of like, oh, I don't need all these. I can get, you know, three things for one. I really think that like the challenge for us is going to be how to, again, how do we break through all of this noise and really provide options and solutions to organizations that deal with the emerging landscape of threats? Like we think about, oh, we've got this process, we've got MFA, we have, you know, firewall, we, all the best practices that are out there, threat actors don't really care. They already know how to get around it. So like they've seen them. Yeah. How do we get to that point where we're like, you know what, this is working for us now. Cause I feel like we're lagging behind a bit. Yeah. So, uh, I like kind of what you said, the theme there, one of the things that we spent a lot of time on in, in our security operation where I worked previously was, wasn't trying to find that one tool that did it all. Cause we felt like that tool would let us down more often than not. And a number of ways because it kind of set itself up for that. It does one thing probably really, really well and then tries to bolt on all these other things that it can kind of do. So we've actually found more value where if we can get tools to work together. So we, when we went for specific tooling, we would look for what tools have an open API that we can then leverage the data from this tool and this tool. And these tools are like the top of their market for just that game. Also brings the price down a little bit too because you're not getting the kitchen sink in one. And then that making that coordination between those subset of tools, we had a really effective approach in a lot of ways. And it's kind of like what you're saying there was sometimes the complexity is what gets us into trouble sometimes when you just rely on what works and then figure out how to build processes around that, right? Right. There's always the element to me of, and I, I subscribe to this idea and concept from the days with General Electric and then kind of startup in Morphic where, you know, attackers are human, right? There's there's always technology that's going to be changing and tactics, but this this notion of now AI can do so much, but not losing sight on the fact that we have to be, you know, thinking clearly and creatively right. on how to solve this problem too. And and then bringing those insights and kind of elevating to your point around, let's get something, there's all these different panes of glass. Every right. product has a pane of glass. And then you've got these orchestration platforms that try to bring it all together. And you have new products coming out with, hey, use this platform to integrate all your data in, but my platform's yeah. better. And <laughs> so you're kind of, that's where my point is. Yeah. It's just so many options. Which one's better? But they're all just slightly nuanced to the point where you're like, is that one really better? You know, so then I, I, I kind of sit there and think like, it's a process that we have to think through mm -hmm. as defenders and as people to make decisions to, on technology versus buying a technology thinking it's going to do it all. And that's, I, you know, there's just people that are out there like human first, process first. Nope, technology first. And it, the blend of that's super important. Yeah, that's why I, I like our name where I work, Cyborg Security. Because for a while there, I didn't realize why we named it that. But as I was working, I was like, you know, it's kind of interesting. We take the best of the people and the best of the technology. We figure out how to merge those together. And uh -huh. like, that's why we named it Cyborg Security. I was like, that's cool. Yeah. That makes sense now. Yeah. I, I can't believe it took me that long. But but yeah, um, fantastic conversation. I really appreciate, Ryan, you know, taking your time. Um, loved what we talked about. I'm sure we'll geek out a little more later. Um, but for all of our folks listening, I hope you enjoyed our latest episode and happy hunting. Thanks for listening to the Out of the Woods podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Cyborg Security, check us out online at www.cyborgsecurity.com and follow us on social media. We'll see you next time.